0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's word that we'll give our attention to this afternoon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Since it is a record of our Savior's words, I invite you to please stand for our reading. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I do not give to you as the world gives so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid this is the gospel of our lord please be seated so it was monday thursday the night before jesus died he's with his disciples and he's preparing them for his departure From this world, preparing them for his return to the Father in heaven. But he wanted them to understand that even after his ascension, he would still have a relationship with them, though things would definitely be different. Just a little earlier on this evening, Jesus had told them, In a little while, The world will see me no longer, but you will see me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love him and show myself to him. But this thought kind of troubled some of Jesus' disciples and confused them. This thought that Jesus was going to show himself to them, but not to the world. Hadn't he come to be the Savior of the whole world? Hadn't he come to seek and to save all those who are lost? There's no doubt that the disciples were happy that Jesus was planning to show himself to them. But what about all the people who didn't know him? And so one of Jesus' disciples asked him about this. He said, Lord... Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? The verses that we just read gave us Jesus' reply. He explained things for his disciples. It wasn't so much that he was saying who he would show himself to or reveal himself to, but rather how. It would be through the word now. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. You see the mention of his teaching, his word, that connection through the word is what brings the Father and the Son close and maintains that relationship. But Jesus says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And so that relationship isn't going to be there. These words you hear, Jesus says, are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. It's his way of reminding us that not only our relationship with him, but also our relationship with the Father is all dependent on his word. For the past three years, as Jesus had gone about his ministry here on earth, he was physically present with believers and unbelievers alike. He showed himself to his disciples, but also to the world by the things that he preached and taught, by his healing and helping. And through all of that, some were brought to faith in him. Some had their faith in him strengthened. But others rejected his message, and others refused him as their savior. But the world had seen him. But once he ascended into heaven, well, that was going to change. In a little while, Jesus said, the world will no longer see me. At least, not in the way they once had. Now Jesus would show himself and reveal himself through the word. And see, that's why the disciples could expect to see him. Because they had his word. They trusted in his word. They Obeyed his word. And so that's really the point that Jesus wanted his disciples then and his people now to take away from his answer to the question that was asked of him. Our relationship with Jesus' word is the key to our relationship with Jesus himself. That's where we see him. That's where he shows himself to us. And so it's true, Jesus would no longer reveal himself to everyone as he had over the past few years. But at the same time, it's true that through the word, Jesus will reveal himself to anyone. Anyone, Jesus says, who loves me, who keeps my word, well, we, the Father and I, will come to them. And we'll make our home with them. You know, that's the very same kind of language Jesus had used a little earlier on this evening when he made a promise to his disciples that I bet all of you know. He had said to them, In my Father's house are many rooms or homes. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. That's a promise that all of us hold dear. It's a promise that we're all looking forward to. The day when we walk into that specially prepared place for us in the Father's house where we will be with His Son, Jesus, forever. But see, until that day comes, what Jesus is promising is that as we keep His Word, as we hold it close to our hearts, He and the Father will come right now and make a home with us. They'll live with us and dwell with us and have that relationship with us right here and now. And so, yes, Jesus was leaving. It's true. He wouldn't be revealing himself in the same way as he had over the last three years. But through the Word, he would continue to establish, build, and maintain saving relationships with the people of this world that he came to save. The lost that he came to seek. It's through the Word that Jesus gives us that victory that he won at Easter. It's through the word that he offers that victory to all in our world. And so as Jesus talked about the importance of the word and our holding on to it, you wonder if some of the disciples were thinking to themselves, man, I wish I would have paid a little closer attention these last few years. I wish I would have written all of this down when I had the chance. How can I be expected to remember three years worth of teaching? And even if I could remember all that, how can I be expected to understand it all? Especially if Jesus isn't going to be here any longer to answer the questions that I might have. And if my memory of the word fails, if my understanding of the word grows dim, then what's going to happen to my relationship with Jesus? And those would be valid concerns. They are concerns that Jesus addressed directly with another promise. He said, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said. We see that promise fulfilled at least in part on the day of Pentecost. It's clear that the Holy Spirit had begun to do his work in the hearts of these first disciples. That's clear not only from the boldness that they demonstrated on that day. It's clear not only from the miraculous way that they were able to speak and preach in other languages that they hadn't learned before. But it's especially clear in the understanding that these disciples displayed of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Because that was the message that they got up and proclaimed to the crowds in Jerusalem on that day. It's clear that the Holy Spirit had come and taken all that they had seen and heard from Jesus over the past three years and sort of refreshed it in their hearts, in their minds sorted it out for them, clarified it for them, and further convinced them of its value and its power. These were changed people. And that's not to say that from this moment on, these disciples now had a perfect knowledge of God's word, that they would never again need to be taught at all by the Holy Spirit. Now, the history of the early church recorded in the book of Acts shows us that There were still plenty of times when Jesus' own disciples struggled with some of the teachings in his word. But according to Jesus' promise, that Holy Spirit would continue to come to remind them, to enlighten them, to guide them as they carried out the work that Jesus had given them to do. But you know, Jesus had even more in mind with this promise of the Holy Spirit than just helping his first disciples remember what he had taught them and understand it better. That same spirit that Jesus promised would also inspire some of these disciples, and some others as well, to record God's word of truth for all the world to have. Now Jesus was going to have his disciples write these things down. We don't know very much about what this process of inspiration looked like or how it worked as the Holy Spirit gave these men the very words that we now have in the New Testament scriptures. But we do know the promises that God attaches to those New Testament scriptures. The Apostle Paul told the young pastor Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. The Apostle Peter said that he and the other inspired writers did not follow cleverly invented stories, but they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle John said, These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we don't know Exactly what this process looked like or how it worked. But we do know the result. We know that the Word of God that we have today is perfect in every way. Because it's God's Word, it's inerrant. That means there are no mistakes to be found in the Word. God doesn't mess up. We know that this Word is infallible, that Every single promise that God makes in his word is going to be kept because God doesn't lie to or deceive his people. And we also know that this word is absolutely sufficient. It gives us everything we need to establish and maintain our saving relationship with Jesus. Since Jesus made it clear that everything in our relationship with him depended on the word, then he also made sure that that word for us would be absolutely dependable. Everything that we need. This promise to send the Spirit to remind and to teach, that wasn't one just for those first disciples either. It's a promise that Jesus also makes for us. Through the inspired scriptures, the Holy Spirit continues to work in our hearts to enlighten us so that we better know and understand all that Jesus did and said. And he doesn't do that so that we can go ahead and write down more inspired words. We already have what we need. No, he does this work in our hearts so that we can understand that message, so that we can believe that saving message, and so that we will be ready to share it with others too. You know, if you go back to that question that one of Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Essentially, Jesus' answer to that question was this. The fact is, I do want to show myself to the world. But the way it's going to happen is through the word, the word that I gave to you, so that you might share it with others. He did come for all. He did come to seek and to save all all who were lost. He came to establish peace between a holy God and the entire sinful world. And through his word, by his spirit, peace is exactly what Jesus gives. That's what he promised. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This, too, is part of the work of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate today. In fact, it's really his most important work, to establish that peace that Jesus won in individual hearts, to connect individual hearts with the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for all. That's the sort of peace that these first disciples needed right then and there. I mean, on this evening, they were disturbed and confused about so many things. And the next couple of days would only add to that. To see this Jesus, who had made so many promises to them, suffer and die on the cross. To see this Jesus, who had promised them an eternal home in heaven, laid in a tomb here on earth. And then to wait those few days with the guilt and shame of their desertion and their denial hanging over their heads. And then even on Easter, when Jesus appeared to them, not knowing for sure if it was really him or maybe a ghost, and then if it was him, not knowing how he was going to feel about them now after all that they had done. These first disciples were disturbed and confused about a lot of things on this evening. And so it's no wonder that the first words out of the risen Lord Jesus' mouth on that first Easter were, peace be with you. In the days and weeks and months and years that followed, the Holy Spirit would continue to work in the hearts of those first disciples to help them understand what it meant not just to have peace, but to have Jesus' peace. It's the same work that he continues to do for us day after day. To show us that the basis for our peace with God is found in Jesus' death and resurrection and nowhere else. The desertion and the denial that these first disciples were guilty of and all of the sins which we commit day after day, they were all carried by Jesus to the cross. The punishment that we deserve for those sins was endured by him. The shame and guilt that comes along with all of our sins is washed away in his blood once and for all. The distance that our sins placed between us and a holy God, that was bridged by Jesus' love for us. My peace I give you, Jesus says, and not as the world gives, not in part, but the whole, not grudgingly but freely this understanding that everything jesus did in his life death and resurrection he did for me that's the work of the holy spirit that we celebrate today that's what gives us the peace and victory that jesus wants us to have and all of that happens through the word By sending his Holy Spirit, Jesus not only made sure that we would have his word, but he made sure that through that word, we would have him. And he would have us. And so he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. and Do not be afraid. Through the word, you share in my victory. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.